0: Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. It's really good to see all of you guys. Let me just draw attention to the fact that I have multiple mics on me. It's uh, I just want to let you guys know that I know that. Um, And uh, but uh, we're, we're we're having a really hard time recording our sermons. There's a way that we can record our sermons just through the mic. We're aware of that, but we haven't discovered it yet. And, uh, and at least the path that we had been taking for the last three years isn't working. So uh, so we're going to try something a little different today. So I hope this doesn't distract you or me. So let's begin. Where we go. Um, anyway, and if you're new here tonight, we're really glad that you're here. Welcome. We're happy to see you guys and if you haven't been here for a while, we're even even more glad, no offense to those who've never been here, but we're, uh, we're grateful that you're here too. Um, this is a, a crazy season, as we know. Um, and one way that we know that it's a crazy season is we look around and uh, we're all wearing masks. Um, and Brian today did something that I thought was impressive is that he sang with a mask on. Um, I don't know how you kept from just inhaling that in, but uh, good, good job. So, okay, well, good, good. Um, so, uh, but we do live in crazy times. And again, I just wanna say thanks to all of you here for uh, hanging in there with us. And, uh, and we're, uh, we're just making adjustments as we go and we're figuring out uh, life in 2021. And uh, I know today was the labor run, uh, which was a virtual run, uh, right? Uh, because I virtually ran, um, you know, from my office to the kitchen, and uh, I felt like it was an accomplishment. So, but uh, no, that's one example of of how things are having to change. So remain flexible with us, hang in there with us. Um, We're we're doing what we can. And and again, I appreciate you guys uh, for your faithfulness. Um, we are in this series on the Apostles' Creed, and I want to start off uh, slide-wise. Uh, I want to go through these first three slides just real quick. Here's the Creed. It starts off, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. That's the first section of the Creed. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The middle section, look at that. First section, pretty small. The middle section is huge. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. I won't do it all. We'll we'll, uh, proclaim the creed together at the end of our service tonight. But it's filled, and it's all about Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ. And then go to the third one, if you will. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Boom. Uh, That's about all that we get on the Holy Spirit. Now, I really think that the things that follow very much are effects of God's Holy Spirit. But tonight, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the Holy Spirit. So as we get there, as we prepare to do that, let me pause and pray for us. So let's pray together. Lord God, we are grateful to you for giving us life through your Son, Jesus. We're grateful to you for dwelling among us through your Holy Spirit. And I pray that as we think about our thinking about you, as we think about the Holy Spirit, that we might become more attentive to your spirit, responsive to your spirit, and obedient to your spirit. And we offer this to you in the name of Jesus, amen. <clears throat> well, I've mentioned this a little bit already, but as I look out over the room, I see a lot of, uh, a lot of beautiful faces. Um, I actually see uh, half of a lot of beautiful faces, right? Um, see a lot of eyes peering over masks um so what I'd like you to do right now is I want all of you to look at me intently and smile your biggest smile so I have an idea what your eyes look like when that happens all right so I'm shading my uh hold that smile oh Amy's is really good that was uh all right I like that all right I can't see some of you all in the back so uh I'm going to have to get up close later on and, and, uh, and check those out. But, uh, but let's just work hard at communicating with our eyes. A few years ago, we got cats in our house and uh, we're still trying to determine whether that's a good or a bad thing. But Kalana explains to me that, uh, no, it's not looking at me getting ready to kill me or waiting till I die. It's smiling when, when its eyes squint. So, uh, so I think that that's true of humans too. And if it's not, I'm just going to go with it because we need all the encouragement we can get. Um, but thanks, for, thanks for doing that. Um, I do, like I said a minute ago, want to thank all of you for continuing to wear your masks. They're inconvenient, they're uncomfortable, uh, but your cooperation is appreciated. Masks have become a symbol. What they symbolize, of course, depends upon where you stand. Of course, in 2019, masks symbolized uh, doctors and nurses. They, don't do, they do a little bit more than that now. A lot of symbols in our world are inadvertent symbols and masks are that way. They've come to symbolize different but related things to different people. So when they were invented, they weren't meant to be a symbol of anything. They were meant to serve a very functional purpose. However, there are some symbols that aren't inadvertent. They are verdant or advertent. I don't know if I've ever heard those terms, but uh, they're on purpose, right? the American flag is a great example of this. Um, Every bar and every star and the blue field on the flag, they all mean something. They're all filled uh, with meaning, very specific meaning, and it's all on purpose. There are even rules about how you're supposed to treat that symbol um, and how you're supposed to care for it and dispose of it. Those are largely ignored nowadays, but the fact that there's such a thing as flag etiquette itself is symbolic of the loyalty that people have to it and to what the flag represents. But masks are accidental symbols. And tonight I want to make them a little bit more purposeful in their symbolism. I want to assign some meaning to us wearing masks. And I'd like to take a little bit of the accidental nature of this symbolism away and apply some meaning to, meanings to this symbol of a mask. I'm pointing to the one that I'm not wearing right now. Um, I want to apply some meaning to it. And this meaning may only be known to us in this room, but I think that's okay. Now, the first symbol to play around with here is this. When you wear a mask here or anywhere, it is a symbol that you care. Masks may not be foolproof, but when we wear one, it becomes a sign that we're willing to inconvenience ourselves for the sake of someone else. Again, this is a sign or a symbol to us. Not everybody will feel that way, right? I don't mean for us to try to say something to other people with our masks, but to say something to ourselves. So depending upon our hearts, wearing that mask can be a sign of Christian love. It is not an opportunity for us to judge those who don't wear one. And it's, not an, oppor- it's an opportunity rather to serve without receiving any recognition. The second symbol of masks that I want to propose to us is a little bit darker. Wearing a mask is a lot like wearing black clothing. Uh, We have a friend whose uh, ancestors are from Italy. And when her grandmother, uh, when her, uh, when she was young, her grandfather died and her grandmother started wearing black clothes and her grandmother wore black clothes until she died every day she was in this perpetual state of mourning and the black clothes represented that. They were, her clothes were a symbol of her grief. And I think masks for us can be a little bit like that. It's a little bit like wearing funeral clothing. They are the sackcloth and ashes of the 21st century. They remind us of loss. A few weeks ago, Richard and I were having this conversation and, and, and he brought this idea to my mind, you know, wearing a mask is a, recognition of loss. Some people have lost their lives to COVID. Some have lost their fortunes. Some have lost their jobs. Some have lost a lot of opportunities, whether it's school or work or anything else. When we wear a mask, we're basically not denying that we have lost and other people perhaps have lost a lot more. I think if we... Don't acknowledge that loss, we're going to grow depressed or angry. As a matter of fact, if we don't acknowledge the loss, we're going to grow depressed and angry. (laughs) They kind of go together. Now, we're not always going to wear masks, but while we do, I want us to be reminded that they are a way of saying, I know that you've lost someone, something. And maybe these masks can remind us to just say, Lord, have mercy on us and on those who have lost. And here's another symbol that I want to draw, another connection, and it's the strangest one. I want to draw a connection between wearing masks and the Holy Spirit. Again, it's a strange, it's maybe a weird connection, but I think you'll see it here in a minute. And actually, I think masks might serve as an anti-symbol for the Holy Spirit. And this is what I mean. Masks are uncomfortable. When we wear them, we're reminded of our breath By the way, that's why we have a giant bowl of mints out there. I hope, uh, take as many as you need. Um, I know I do. Um, But they remind us even of our breathing, something, you know, a couple of years ago, most of us just didn't pay any attention to. And as I mentioned, masks are kind of like wearing black clothing. They're the symbol of grief. But masks in this way remind us that our breath has literally become deadly in some cases. It's an anti-symbol. This is how an anti-symbol works. And by the way, I made that word up. If you look it up and there's a different meaning, just roll with me for the next few minutes. Um, I may be ruining a perfectly good term. But when masks remind us that our breath, at least the virus that we have carried, some of us in our breath, is deadly, then the mask also can remind us of the Holy Spirit because... Get this, what the Bible calls the Holy Spirit, or a term that the Bible uses for the Holy Spirit is breath. That's what the word spirit means. And let me put a few passages of scripture up on the screen for us real quick. Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That's the NIV, the Spirit of God. King James tells us the same thing, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Go to the next one, Harrison. The NRSV gets a little more literal, and it says a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. That's a good one. The message then says, God's Spirit brooded like a bird above the watery abyss. I just included that because it doesn't work. So, just for fun. I mean, it works, eh, but not for what I'm doing. All right, moving on. John Golden Gay and Robert Alter are both translators of the Old Testament. John Golden Gay says God's breath was sweeping over the face of the water. And Robert Alter, and God's breath hovered over the waters. Most of you probably know this, but the word Spirit has to do with this notion of wind and breath. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the breath of God. In some instances, it's referring to the wind of God. Each of these is a translation, by the way, of the Hebrew phrase, Ruach Elohim, spirit, wind, or breath. The Holy Spirit is revealed to us in this kind of language. So tonight, as we think about what we think about when we think about God, (laughs) I want us to reconsider how the Holy Spirit is seen through all of Scripture. And I just have a couple of minutes, so we're not going to be able to cover all of it, but I'm going to like throw a rock across the surface of the water and let it skip a little bit and throw out some ideas for us to hold on to. As I mentioned already in Genesis one, two, it says we are presented with the material of creation. God is bringing creation together, but the word, and that's a fun Hebrew word, which is tohu vavohu, uh, formless and void. It was just a wasteland, uh, essentially is, is how it's described empty and void of no use and without any purpose. And according to John Goldingay and Robert Alter, God's breath swept over these waters. God spoke creation into existence. God breathed creation into life. The Son, who we know as the Word of God, and the Spirit, the breath of God, are equally involved in God's creative work. And what's more, in Genesis 2-7, God breathes life into the man that God made from the dust of the earth. The creative work of God continues as the Spirit is breathed into man and he comes to life. God's Spirit makes people alive, not just in in Genesis 2, but also all throughout the New Testament. But before we get there, I want us to keep in mind that When we read the Old Testament, we might perceive that the Holy Spirit just isn't in there. And maybe we've been taught that the Holy Spirit didn't really show up until the New Testament, which is not the case at all. God's Spirit falls upon the leaders of God's people, like Moses and Miriam, Deborah and David, and especially upon the prophets. And there's way too much to cover here, but let's talk about the craziest of the prophets. Who who is the craziest prophet? Anybody want to take your stab? Oh no, he's way too conventional. Um, that was a joke. Uh, Ezekiel, right? It's the weirdest one to read. Um, but let's let's talk a little bit about Ezekiel. This is from Ezekiel thirty-seven, and I think you guys know the story. Uh, but in Ezekiel thirty-seven, the apostle, uh, the prophet, rather, Ezekiel experiences a vision. He comes across a valley that's just filled with dry bones, with dead skeletons. I don't know if any skeletons are not dead, that uh, didn't make sense. But uh, but anyway, a valley of dry bones. The deceased bodies have lied in the sun baking for who knows how long. It's a bone yard and God asks his prophet, can these bones live? And wisely Ezekiel responds, he says, Lord God, you know. And I don't know what that means when he says, Lord God, you know, Does, is he saying, of course God, you know that they can live or is he saying, sure thing, whatever. Uh, I'm just going to roll with whatever you do next. I think that's kind of what Ezekiel's doing. But what follows is something that only our imaginations that have been shaped by CGI movies uh, can make sense of. That is, the bones begin to come back to life. They start to snap back together. Flesh and muscle and all the other stuff that make up a human body start to reappear on these skeletons. And Ezekiel prophesies to the bones and says, Hear the word of the Lord. I will cause Ruach to enter you. Ruach, breathe upon these slain that they may live. God goes on to tell Ezekiel that these bones represent the people of Israel and that God is taking these exiled, dejected people and he's bringing them back to life. It's an image of resurrection but it's also an image of God's Spirit coming into people. The story concludes with God saying the following. Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves. O my people, I will put my Spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you on your own soil, then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Pay attention to verse 14. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. And by the way, this isn't the only place in Ezekiel or in the prophets for that matter where God promises to put his spirit into people. It's reminiscent of Genesis 2, God breathing life into Adam Equally important, however, it reminds us of Jesus' resurrection when we're told the following from, from the Gospel of John, after Jesus has come back to life again. It says, but if, uh, if Christ is... Actually, I'm sorry, I, I skipped ahead. This is from Romans. Uh, Romans 8 says, but if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you... He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. I hope you hear the echoes between Ezekiel 37 and what Romans is saying. The spirit, the breath of God has brought Christ back and is going to bring us back. The spirit of the one who raised him from the dead reminds us that what one member of the Trinity does, they all get to do. God the Father is the Creator through Christ the Word and through the breath of God the Holy Spirit. Likewise, He is the Resurrector of the dead with the Holy Spirit. God creates with the Spirit, He animates with the Holy Spirit, He resurrects with the Holy Spirit, and here we see Jesus reenacting the moment of God's breath entering Adam when He gives the Holy Spirit to His disciples after the resurrection. This is from John. The disciples had heard of His appearance to the women at the tomb, They were hopeful, but they were perplexed and a little freaked out. Starting in John, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The gift of the Holy Spirit bestowed upon the remnants of the twelve disciples as a symbol, is a symbol of God creating something through his spirit. Because within a matter of days, uh, 40 days, I think, at this point, to be exact, maybe 50, the church is born through the spirit. But this time, we don't visualize the spirit necessarily as breath, but as the wind, a powerful wind at Pentecost. And I'd be remiss if I didn't include these words repeated by Peter in his Pentecost sermon. I think it's good stuff for us to hear um, from Peter and this is from the prophet Joel in Peter's sermon. I don't know if I got the slide for it or not, but it says, in the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Now, I usually preach from the NRSV version of the Bible, which is a mildly inclusive, gender inclusive uh, translation. But it's important to note that sons and daughters, men and women, that's in the original. (laughs) That's what God is saying through the Spirit, through Joel, and then also through Peter. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, on his sons and his daughters, it's not an attempt to soften it for our ears. It's the intention of God that his Holy Spirit be poured out on all of us equally. Now, this is a silly question, um, but how many of you, and I would love to see a show of hands because we're all friends, but how many of you grew up with a slight fear or even more than slight fear of charismatics? Anybody? Or Pentecostals? <laughs> okay. Okay. The fact that Tim threw his hand up really proves my point. Um, So some of us, you know, and some of us are like, you know, those of you who are charismatic, forgive us. It's not your fault. We're just, uh, we were just freaked out by things we didn't understand, I guess. But I have an old friend that I've mentioned many, many times. He's he's now uh, deceased for a few years now. But my old friend Al Gregg grew up in the non-instrumental Church of Christ. Tim's, Tim's home turf, he likes to call it. Um, He doesn't call it that. I just... What's that? No. Never. Okay. <laughs> but uh, Al grew up in the non- middle Church of Christ, and if you don't know much about them, they are the most Protestant of Protestants. Um, I mean, it is—it's uh, an—it's an argumentative bunch, and I know a few of you are from there, so forgive me if I come off a little mean. I had cousins, um, but uh, the group, as a, at, at uh, it was kind of ch- charismatic. Charismaphobic, I guess. Uh, and they're not the only church that's like that. And Al was like this uh, through most of his life. A little bit fearful of charismatic stuff or Pentecostal stuff. But as Al grew and matured, he recognized that God's spirit can't really be contained or restrained. And his life changed and he grew. But Al liked to joke a little bit. And he would, uh, he would say, I'm not a charismatic Al was also a linguist, so he was very adept at Greek, and he says, I'm not a charismatic, I'm pneumatic. <laughs> all right. I was staring at uh, the one Greek student in the room. Uh, was, it, was it all right? But it's true. This is what Al would say, pneumatic, P-N, like a pneumatic drill, an air drill. And it's biblical, the pneumatikos, the, uh, the gifts of the spirit. Um, so... Charismatic comes from the word gifts, pneumatic, or the things of the Spirit is what pneumatikos means. But anyway, my point is this, and I destroyed that story, by the way, but here, here's the point that I hope to make in it. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to stop at the end of the service tonight and teach all of you how to speak in tongues or how to faint on cue or whatever those... Uh, stereotypes, false largely stereotypes that you might have, but we definitely want to do what we can as a people to respond to God's Spirit more readily, more quickly. You see, we need reminders of the work of God's Spirit. We often fail to invite God's Spirit into our daily life and work, and we often fail to appreciate those little urgings that God's Spirit may be placing within us. I think it's time for us to pay attention, to yield to the Spirit, to allow God's Spirit to guide us through Scripture, certainly, through the testimony of the church, through our brothers and sisters, and even through that inner voice of love. That inner voice of love. And I think this is important. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, it is the Spirit of Jesus Himself. Therefore, the Spirit of God does not live or act in any way that does not look like Jesus. So this is something that we can trust. If we feel guided by anything that does not look, act, sound like, smell like Jesus, then we're not dealing with God's Spirit. Our primary discipline as Christian people is to reflect upon the life of Jesus from the Gospels. And the Spirit, I think, will aid us in this process. And as I said already, the Spirit will always act, will always act like Jesus. Now, the controlling image in our mind tonight has been the Spirit of God as the breath of God. But we're reminded obliquely that another image for the Spirit is water. This has come out in a couple of the passages that we've read. By the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously, that image of pouring the Spirit on us. The Spirit's association with water is important because remember the Spirit hovers over the waters at the creation of the world. And here Eugene Peterson's bird brooding over the waters. The Holy Spirit is like this bird brooding over her nest. That's the image that Eugene Peterson is working with in the message. This should remind us, I hope, that the water of creation relates to the waters of our own baptisms, where we receive the gift of the Spirit. So not only our breath, but water itself is this image of God's Spirit coming into our lives. Now, I mentioned earlier, the creed ends with a single phrase about the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. End scene. But the things that follow on after that are a list of the effects of God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave birth to the church through the wind and the fire of tongues on Pentecost. The Holy Spirit unites the body of Christ into what we call the communion of saints, not just those of us in this room, but all those who are called by Jesus' name, both now and in the future and in the past. God's one family is forever united in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. And of course, the Spirit commands, speaks, and empowers all of us to forgive each other. I believe in the forgiveness of sins, the Creed says. And as I mentioned earlier, he's present in the waters of baptism, hovering, if you will. And he is part of the resurrection of both Christ and of all of us. I want you to hear what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 4 about the Spirit. Paul says, I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in all. This depiction of Paul here in Ephesians 4, reminds us that God seeks to heal. Jesus seeks to heal, and the Spirit wants to heal. We live in a world right now that is marked by suffering and fear, and right now it's marked by masks. And I hope all of those things can become anti-symbols for you that remind you that the Spirit is still at work. The Spirit of God is still blowing, still breathing, still being poured out. While we wear masks, I I hope, we'll let it be a symbol to us that things aren't the way they're supposed to be right now, but God is very much at work. God is at work. And he's at work through his Holy Spirit in our lives. As individual people and as his gathered church, God's Spirit is at work. The mask is the anti-symbol that reminds us that today, breath may equal death, but the Spirit always gives life. The last passage I want to share with you tonight comes from 2 Corinthians 3. The Apostle Paul says again, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that we would become attentive to the voice of your spirit, that our hearts and our minds might be made more aware of the way that you may be guiding us as individual people, as a church, as a community. Open our ears, both in scripture and in the traditions of the church and in the voices of our sisters and brothers. Open our ears to hear your voice, your spirit speaking in those moments. We offer this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I think tonight, every week as we um, pray the prayers of repentance, the prayer of confession, um, sometimes it's useful for us to remember something that we need to confess. Now, many of us, our minds may just be jammed with them all, you know, they're all just floating out here, all these things. But tonight, if, if you're not overwhelmed by those, all those specific things that you need to bring, in, confess, bring uh, in confession, I would urge you to perhaps confess this, and that is, Lord, I confess that I haven't paid attention to your Spirit. I haven't uh, given your spirit credit for working in my life or in the life of someone around me. I haven't recognized in this person or that person or this passage of Scripture or that passage of Scripture, I haven't recognized you saying, do thus and so. That may be a good place for us to start tonight in our time of confession. I want to invite you to kneel or remain seated, either one. And together we'll pray the prayer of confession that will be on the screen. Let us pray. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen.
1: You can stand with me as we the... pray the prayers that prepare us for communion. Mm-hmm. Do you want the mic? The Lord be with you.
0: And also with you.
1: Lift up your hearts.
0: We lift them to the Lord.
1: Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Amen.
0: It is right to give him thanks and praise.
1: God of all power, ruler of the universe, you are worthy of glory and praise. Glory,
0: glory to you forever and ever. At your command, all things came to be.
1: The vast expanse of interstellar space, galaxies, suns, the planets and their courses, and this fragile earth our island home
0: by your will they were created and have their being
1: from the primal elements you brought forth the human race and blessed us with memory reason and skill you made us the rulers of creation but we turned against you and betrayed your trust and we turned against one another
0: have mercy lord for we are sinners in your sight
1: again and again you called us to return Through prophets and sages, you revealed your righteous law, and in the fullness of time, you sent your only son, born of a woman, to fulfill your law, to open for us the way of freedom and peace. In
0: his blood, he reconciled us. By his wounds, we are healed.
1: And therefore, we praise you, joining with the heavenly chorus, with prophets, apostles, and martyrs, and with all those in every generation who have looked to you in hope, to proclaim with them your glory in their unending hymn.
0: Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest.
1: And so, Father, we who have been redeemed by him and made a new people by water and the Spirit now bring before you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit, to be the body and blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread. He said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his friends and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper he took the cup of wine gave thanks and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering now his work of redemption and offering to you this sacrifice of thanksgiving. We,
0: we celebrate, celebrate his death, death and resurrection as, as we, we await the, the day of his coming.
1: Lord God of our fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, open our eyes to see your hand at work in the world about us. Deliver us from the presumption of coming to this table for solace only and not for strength, for pardon only and not for renewal. Let the grace of this holy communion make us one body, one spirit in Christ, that we may worthily serve the world in his name
0: risen lord be known to us in the breaking of the bread Accept these prayers prayers and praises father through jesus christ our great high priest to whom with you and the holy spirit your work church gives honor glory and worship from generation to generation amen
1: these are the gifts of god for the people of god come and receive from the risen lord tonight
0: The blood of Christ poured out for you.
1: The body of Christ broken for you.
0: The blood of Christ poured out for you.
1: The body of Christ broken for you.
0: The blood of Christ poured out for you. Blood the blood of Christ poured out for you. The blood of Christ poured out for you. The blood of Christ poured out for you. The blood of
1: Christ poured out for you.
0: The blood of Christ poured out for you.
1: The blood of Christ poured out for you. The blood
0: of The blood of Christ poured out for you. The blood of Christ poured out for you. The blood of Christ poured out for you.
1: The blood of Christ poured
0: out for you. The blood of Christ poured 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 out for you. The blood of
1: Christ poured out for you.
0: The blood of Christ poured out for you. The blood of Christ poured out for you. The blood of
1: Christ poured out for you. The blood of Christ poured out for you. The blood of Christ poured out for you.
0: The blood of Christ poured out for you. The blood of Christ poured out for you. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ poured out for
1: you. The
0: blood of Christ poured out for
1: you.
0: The blood of Christ blood, poured out for you
1: The blood of Christ poured out
0: for you broken The blood of Christ poured out for you The blood of Christ poured out for you, it
1: it. you
0: The blood of Christ poured out for you. You.
1: you
0: The blood mm-hmm. hmm. of Christ poured out for you The blood of Christ poured out for you.
1: Oh, the body for you. Son- Arthur, the blood of Christ poured out for you. The body broken for you.
0: The blood of Christ poured out for you.
1: The body of Christ broken for you.
0: The blood of Christ poured out for you. The
1: body of Christ broken for you. <laughs>
0: the, the blood of Christ poured out for you.
1: The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ poured out for you.
0: The blood of Christ All poured out for you.
1: My hmm. for you.
0: Thanks be to God.
1: The blood of Christ you.
0: Amen. Amen. The body of Christ broken for you. Thanks be to God. The blood of Christ.
1: We're out for you. I
0: As we close tonight let us stand together and proclaim the Apostles Creed together in unison tonight I believe in God the Father Almighty creator of heaven and earth I believe in Jesus Christ his only son our Lord he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary he suffered under Pontius Pilate Well, before we are dismissed, we do have a couple of quick announcements. Um, Morning prayer, of course, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. I hope all of you will consider joining us. Uh, You can join us on Zoom. Just go to the website, and there's a little thing that you can click on to join us at 7.30, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then Fridays, we do gather at the ladder uh, to pray together. Uh, Also, the blessing box at uh, Hilltop, it's always needing filled, so please uh, consider dropping some food off there, or if you want to leave it with Nathan, he can even take it right yeah he's there quite a bit, so uh so he can take that down and then the twenty seventh sad stand up is it am I saying it right I know well i just i'm I'm uncertain, so Ted has something he wants to tell us. Tell us what 's happening on that night okay, well, sad stand up um on december on september twenty seventh I sent a link out and I guess the link isn't working. So I'll send out a new link uh, this week, but if you want to go, uh, it, it's gonna be really special. Uh, I encourage all of you to, uh, to make it if you can. It's seven o'clock at Central Standard, a week from Monday, September 27th. So be sure and come back for that. This is not entire, I think this is, this is 98% true to happen, but in two weeks, not next Saturday, but the one after, I think we're gonna have a cookout uh, out here in outside. So, um, so look for details on that. We just gotta hang out some more, you know, where it's a little safe. So we'll be out in the front yard here in two weeks. So look for info on that. If you have a pickup or a gas grill or both, we'd love, just come talk to us. Uh, we'd love to, uh, and Nathan will tell you the story about how he lost Wheatland's gas grill that it was given, so that we were given. He'll tell it differently, of course, um, but uh, you know, truthfully, let's try. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of a funny story. So uh, if you haven't heard it for a long time, you know, he'll, he'll go through all the motions and the actions again, you know, just like the blunder story. Okay, all right. Any other announcements that we need to remember that I haven't uh, thought of? I know. I'm thinking about doing some of my own stand-up, which is sad. So um, that didn't work. Uh, all right. I think we better quit. Listen, we're grateful, uh, that, uh, we're grateful for visitors tonight. Thanks for being here, everybody. We really appreciate you being here. And uh, let us stop now and have, receive our benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Thank you everyone. (sighs) Well, it was it was the best loss we've had in a long time. (laughs) It was. It was. Hey, I didn't get a chance to meet you guys. Glad y'all are here. Y'all are friends of these guys, I get I'm guessing. Good, good. Well, we we take just about anybody they would bring, so <laughs> we're glad you made it. Ugh.
1: Okay. Okay. She's
0: too good. Does
1: she want us
0: to? She didn't say, but I think we should just leave it on our porch.
1: Okay. She's not doing so good. Okay. We'll do something. Okay. Yeah, got to get a breath.
0: (laughs) Have you been playing that guitar? Have you been playing your guitar? Good.
1: Got a little recording stuff set up.
0: Oh, good. Good for you, man.
1: Looping through, sorry. Appreciate it. Good to see you guys. Have a great
0: week. I I will. Good deal.
1: All right. Are they going to rotate the... Oh, no, I just missed out. Not because it's too negative. Just rotating through the communion prayers like yeah. eric always joked about that because i guess they call it the star wars the well, star wars the prayer. prayer yeah So, <laughs> no, I so it's, it's like i don't really like remember the other ones but i only remember this one so <laughs> I know, I like, know time, mean, well like, oh yeah oh yeah we uh we were gonna I just gotta get that out of my head somehow <laughs> no i it.
0: see i love that i love that part of it yeah. but i totally get the uh and, but I sometimes find myself wanting to giggle a little bit. Yeah, as well as name says, it's
1: almost, it's almost <laughs> true to but just so I don't think that. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> well, we had,
0: we had uh, actually intended to switch them up. But